We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Amen, amen, amen. You weren't in here, Jordan, when I said I have to follow that preaching, so I'll say it now so you can hear it. Um, I'm going to follow that preaching today. Um, so here's the thing about today, today's word. As you can see, they're bringing a, a prop, if you will. Um, but today is going to be interactive, okay? So it's going to be interactive in the fact that when you walked in, you should have seen a piece of paper on your chair, that wasn't just a seat filler. Um, there is instruction to go with that. So you should have seen paper on your chair. I ask that you pull that out. And today's word is going to be interactive in that God is going to be speaking through me. God is going to be speaking through me. You're going to be listening. And then you're going to be listening for the word behind the word. Right? listening for the word behind the word, and then the Holy Spirit is going to compel you to put something on that paper. And then at the end of the service, when the word has gone forth fully, you're going to take what you put on that paper, and we're going to put it at his throne. So y'all understand the instructions for today? It is interactive, meaning that you can't zone out. You can't go to your Snapchat. You can't start to check your notifications. You can't start to see what's for dinner. You can't do that because, remember I just said, it's interactive, meaning that God is going to be speaking through me. You're going to be listening for the word behind the word. Then you're going to put what he tells you to put on that paper. And then at the end of service, you're going to put it on the throne. Amen? Um, so that's just the housekeeping for this, this message today. I will also say I'm going to do my best to not keep you here too long. I don't want you, I'm, I'm going to get you, let's put it like this. God gave me a lot to walk out. I'm going to walk it out expeditiously, but I don't know how quickly that is. So my plan is to get you enough word to where you don't have missed meal cramps, but it's going to be right to that point, though, maybe. Okay? But, again, interactive, listen, let's walk it out together. So, um, we just concluded the Pathways series, and it has been, it, it was such a powerful series. Can somebody agree with me on that? It was such a powerful series, and I know that every time I speak about a series, I say it was powerful, but that's because it, every series is powerful. But Pathways was especially powerful for me because it really started to get into that inner man work, that inner, inner self work. And I found myself throughout the series, so think about the word as a meal. I was going back for seconds, like, all throughout the week. I kept going back to it and going back to it so I could make sure that I get exactly all the things that he has for me with pathways. Were y'all like that, too, a little bit? Okay. And so what I found out, though, is that, and I was just telling a group of people this yesterday, pathways was especially important for me because there are trains of thoughts that I have that are starting to infiltrate the good parts of my life. So you get to a point where you like start to have some external successes 
and you start to be able to check the box, like, okay, I got the house, got the job, got the family, but you start to realize that there's some type of internal disconnect. And so pathways for me, and if y'all weren't there, if it didn't do it for y'all, I'm sorry, that's your fault. But for me, it started to help me deal with the things on the inside. So during the pathway series, um, I was spending time with my father, and I was like, okay, I'm going to lock in in this moment. I'm going to focus, and I'm going to commune with you, and I'm going to talk about how I don't want to cut corners anymore, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all the things of the series. I'm going to work through the word with, with my father. So I get into a space, and I'm ready to lock in, and I'm ready to work through it all, and I get a notification on my watch. And this moment that I was trying to set to be so in tune with him was disrupted by a notification. And I heard in that moment God say, turn off notifications. Turn off notifications. And yes, for that moment he was talking about my watch, but he was talking about more generally, there are certain notifications that you need to turn off. And I thought that's good because Pastor Wanzel has been talking about how we get on this train of thought. And I was telling God vulnerably, I find myself in bed with thoughts before I even had a chance to date the thought. Like before I know it, we're in bed together. And I don't know how we got here, but it's because there are certain notifications that trigger the thought that I haven't turned off yet. So that's why it's disruptive because I haven't turned off the notification. So there are standard notifications that I have in my brain and that you have in your brain that um, their intent is to, well, let's talk about the notifications in general. Will you bring my water, please? My husband. <laughs> um, thank you, because we can just go address it now so I don't have to continue to be dry mouth. Thank you. Okay, there are, think about notifications. There are certain notifications on your phone that um, are productive notifications and then there are unproductive notifications. But the purpose of a notification, productive or unproductive, is to draw your attention. So think about, like I said in prayer, I'm here to pray with my father and my watch goes off. It's basically doing this to you. It's saying you're thinking about this, but come over here. You're trying to do this, but come over here. And some notifications, again, are productive notifications, but there are other notifications that are not. So let's talk about some of those notifications. Productive notifications. So I recently got a credit card. I think everyone probably has had a credit card at some point. And as I was setting up the app, it said, do you want to turn on bill notifications? And I said, yes, please. Yes, please, because I, I want to know when this bill is due because I've worked really hard on this credit, and so I don't want to be missing any payments, late any payments. So, yes, please, turn on, the, turn on the bill notifications. That would be a productive notification. But then there are other notifications that are less productive. So think about, like, Instagram. So Instagram, and I ultimately had to turn them off, because Instagram has these notifications that will notify you when someone's going live, when someone has started a new story, when somebody has posted for the first time in five hours, when somebody has a new dog and they want you to see it. Like, they send you all these notifications regularly. And so here I am on my productive path, and I get, come over here. Come over here. 
come see the new story. Come see the new live. Come see the new. So those are notifications that I had to turn off because they're not helpful. And then there are some notifications that kind of teeter between being productive and unproductive, like Class Dojo. Y'all familiar with Class Dojo? Anybody who has students in Orange County Public School System? Okay, Class Dojo has the potential to be a good notification if you were just telling me about my kid. Right, so I appreciate the notifications about my kid. But I don't need to know what's happened with the first grade field trip. I don't need to know that the kindergartners need to turn in their pens and pencils before that. I don't need to know that because that doesn't pertain to my kid. So those are not really productive notifications either, right? Why am I talking about all of this? Why am I setting it up so long? Because in God telling me to turn off notifications, he was telling me that there is a power that you have in this process. That if you walk away from the Pathway series and feel like, okay, I just have to put it all on God, and he just has to, I just have to allow him to course correct, and I just have to allow him to help me have that grass grow over my tracks, and all of that is true. But there is something that you can do as well in the process that will make it possible. Because what he was telling me is that you have your watch on your wrist right now. You've come into my presence to spend time with me, and you have your watch on your wrist right now. And you have the notifications turned on. So, therefore, we have responsibility. Amen? Amen. So, if you haven't guessed it, the message for today is turn off notifications. Turn off notifications. I want you to ask yourself as a first question, what are the notifications that I've subscribed to, and are they feeding me or detracting are they feeding me or are they detracting? And if you think I'm just talking about your phone, you might have already missed most of the message. Think about the notifications that you have that you subscribe to, your standard notifications, and are they feeding you or are they detracting? So um, today we're going to go to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to start at verse 18. I'm going to be in the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 18, New King James Version. And Jesus is going to be our schoolmaster today. And he's the best. He's the best at this. Um, he is going to help us identify what notifications that we need to keep on and what notifications we need to turn off and when to turn them off and how to identify that that's a notification to turn off. Okay. So Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 18. And I think it's important just to give you a little bit of context that um, Jesus was having a conversation with um, his disciples, John's disciples to be specific, about fasting. And they were asking, why do, why do these people fast? Why do we fast? Why? Like they were having a whole conversation. He was teaching, talking about the new wine skins, not pouring new wine into old wine. Like he's having a whole teaching session with them. Verse 18, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. So he was teaching. He was in the middle of a conversation. He got a notification. He got a notification that there was a child who needed him has just died, I need you to come lay your hands on her so that she can live. So notifications that are 
calling you into your purpose, notifications that are placing a demand on who God has called you to be, notifications that are calling you to walk out the steps and the plans that God has for you, good notifications. Following me? So he's having the conversation, gets the notification. It says, do this, come over here. And he listens to that notification. So he starts to go. So as he's going, though, he gets another notification. So he's headed to go deal with this dead child, and he gets another notification. But this time, it's a woman with the issue of blood. So he's walking through the crowd. Y'all know this story. Don't act unchurched all the way. Like, y'all know this story. So he's walking, and there's a crowd of people. He has, like, something hanging like this. He feels someone pull on his garment. Some, he says, the glory has left me. So he gets a notification that the glory has left. So he has to stop right there because now there's, now there's a glory moment. So notifications that are glory moments, notifications that are um, placing a demand on God's glory and who he is, good notifications. So he says, I have to stop and attend to this notification. So he does. He deals with the woman. He says, because you believe, you're set free. And then he proceeds on. So now skip down to verse 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room. If you have the ability to underline or highlight or something, that stood out for me. Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out all throughout the land. So a little bit of context here. Back in the day, um, when it came to death, they actually hired minstrels. They hired musicians. They hired musicians <laughs> um, when someone died. And depending on the age of the person, it, it kind of dictated the, the instrument that they used. But for children, it was often flutes. And so they hired these musicians when someone died to be a part of the like effect right, of what's happened, the moment. They also hired mourners. So these are people who were not a part of the family. So it wouldn't be the mom, the dad, the sister, be people who were not a part of the family who were hired to mourn. Rip your hair out, rip your clothes off, wail, scream, cry. So when he comes to the scene, he is met with the noise of the committee that has been hired to have effect for this girl's death. Y'all following me? Y'all think y'all know professional mourners. I know people who like to go funeral hop, but these are like people who like, this is their job, is to create this effect of wailing and pulling your hair out. That's what he's met with when he gets on the scene. Drama, the drama of it all. So he tells them, make room, and the girl is sleeping, and then they ridicule him, and then he puts them out. I thought it was interesting when it said that they ridiculed him, because I was like, how did y'all go so quickly from mourning and wailing to ridiculing Jesus? But then I realized it's because it wasn't sincere to begin with. That's why they were able so quickly to go from crying and wailing to now laughing and ridiculing him, because you were just paid anyway. That's how you can so quickly shift from your performance to ridiculing Jesus because you wasn't in it anyway. 
that's a different message for a different day. But I'm just saying, I was wondering how they were able to so quickly go from crying and wailing and grieving. It's because your grief wasn't sincere anyway. So they go from that to ridiculing Jesus. The Greek word for ridicule is katagelao, which means to laugh, scorn, or express contempt for Jesus. There are several definitions for contempt. Y'all walk with me. Y'all still with me? Walk with me. Several definitions for contempt. To disregard someone or something, disregarding something that should be taken into account, the offense of being disrespectful or disobedient to a court of law, like you can be held in contempt. All of these definitions boil down to disrespect. So they went from mourning and wailing and doing their job to disrespecting Jesus. So because they disrespected him, that's when he put them out. So we're trying to understand, Lord, what, what, what are those notifications that I hear in my mind that I should, that's a signal, put that one out, turn that one off. Turn off notifications that prompt me to think or act in a way that is disrespectful to God, myself, or other people. If you hear something in your mind that prompts you to think or act in a way that is disrespectful to God, yourself, or other people, that's a notification that you need to turn off. Because I'm, I'm trying to help y'all here. I'm trying to help y'all like God is helping me because I really went before her. And I'm like, listen, I find myself acting out. I find myself thinking out loud. I find myself doing things before I know that I'm there. He said, if it's telling you to disrespect me or disrespect you or disrespect them, turn off that notification. It might be the big stuff like, oh, I don't know, curse God and die. Like, you know, that's a, that's a joke. Job could talk about that. That's an obvious one, like curse God and die. Like turn that notification off. Um, you don't need that church anyway. You don't need those church people. That's disrespect. Like turn that off. Those are the obvious ones. But then there are some that are less obvious. So y'all love me? Okay. And um, even if you didn't, I'm going to tell the story because <laughs> God has given me a, a, a ministry of transparency. So um, a few weeks ago, I went to Publix where shopping is not a pleasure. And it's not because, not because of Publix, for those who are listening, it's because there is nothing pleasurable about spending $200 for two items. Ain't nothing pleasurable about shopping anywhere right now. So I go to Publix probably like, it was beginning of the month because it was before Easter. And I had been to Publix like three times in like 24 hours because I had forgot stuff. And every time I go, it's, no, it's never any less than $50. No matter what you're spending, it's never less than $50. Can we talk about why it's never less than $50? Toothpaste, toothbrush, $50. Like, I don't understand. So anyway... I'm there for the third time. I'm slightly aggravated that I'm here. I'm slightly aggravated that they keep, you know, pulling on my direct deposit. So I go, and I'm like, I'm going to get a handful of things, handful of things. So I grab the handful of things, get in line. I get in the express lane because the other lines are really full. And I'm not doing self-checkout. I'm not spending $100 and checking out my own stuff, too. Somebody's going to check this out. So I go to the express lane with what I think is just a few items. 
And the lady says to me, this is the express lane. And I say, okay. So I'm looking, I'm like, what is that, 10 items or less? I'm like, I should have like 10 items. So I continue to go. This is the express lane. And I say, okay, so are you saying I can't come in this line? Like, what are you saying? And so <laughs> I, I came a long way, but not, not far enough because I was like, what are you saying? Like, are you saying I can't be in this line? And she's like, it's express lane. So, so I felt like she was being like nice, nasty with me. So then I'm like, okay, so I, I didn't even know like how many items I had. I didn't. And so the other lady, the other public lady comes and she's like, come on, ma'am, go ahead and put on the, on the thing. I said, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can because she said it's express lane so i don't know am i able to come and put myself she's like she's like no ma'am it's fine go ahead and put it on the, put it on the belt i said i don't know because it's the express lane so then i'm like <laughs> so then i'm in line i didn't have a tmc shirt on um i'm in line so i start to put myself on the belt and i you know i'm giving attitude y'all i am i'm embarrassed but i'm giving attitude and so I start to put it on the belt and I count it. I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> and I'm like, I am over. <laughs> I'm over by two items. But still, like it's two items. I'm gonna it's it's two items for you know, twelve items for five hundred dollars. It's fine. I can you can bring this stuff up. So anyway, um, she rings it up. I got, I, I stopped talking, but you can feel, you know, you can feel like, it's express lane. So she rings it up. I, you know, transaction done. I get in the car and I call my husband. I'm like, babe, can you believe what happened at Publix? So I'm, I'm like two items over and it's express lane and I can't get myself. I'm like going off. And so he's like, thank God for saved spouses because he was like well she wasn't wrong but I, <laughs> she wasn't wrong if you had 12 items but I could see why you're upset and I'm like but, yeah but I mean like two items over like do you do that and he's like well I mean it's 10 items or less but she wasn't wrong but I could see why you're upset and I was like man and I heard you handled that wrong. And I was like, okay, I handled it wrong. I asked Lord for, to forgive me. I said, I handled it wrong. I won't do that again. I need to like not cut corners. Um, so I hear I handled it wrong. I asked for forgiveness, I'm done. But then it kept weighing on me. Like you, man, you handled that wrong. You felt disrespected. You felt disrespected and you heard the notification, she tried you. And then your response was, try her back. She's not gonna sit here and do this. Like you handled it wrong. You need to apologize to her. I need to, wow, I need to apologize. Okay, wow. <laughs> so um, next time I get to Publix, like a week later, like whenever you see her, you need to apologize to her. So sure enough, I walk in and she's the first register right there on the express lane. 
And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get just enough things to be able to go to her line. So I go to her line, and I um, start to put myself on the belt. And I say, um, I don't know if you remember last week, but I came in, and uh, we had uh, <laughs> I said we had a mis- I guess I'll say misunderstanding about my groceries. Um, but I want to apologize to you because I didn't handle you right. And um, she looked at me and she was like, no, it's okay. You were, you were fine. You were within your rights. I said, no, I wasn't fine. I said, even if it, it doesn't matter, I handled you wrong and I want to say I'm sorry. And she looked at me and she said, I'm not kidding. I know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And I said, yes, he is. And he won't let me handle his people any kind of way. So I'm so sorry. And she was like, that doesn't happen. It's like, people are so rude all the time. That doesn't happen. People don't come like, you have integrity. That has to be Jesus. You have integrity. Um, And so she finishes bringing everything up. And then she's like, can I hug you? So we're hugging, like, by the time it's all over. Like, it was really, like, it was dope. Like, it was like, wow. So first of all, I was grateful that God blessed my mess and that he still got the glory out of me being a whole fool at um, <laughs> at Publix. So I was grateful for that. Um, but why did I give you this long story? I told you I have to, y'all have to let me walk this out. I gave you this long story because there are certain notifications for me, and if I'm going to be transparent, which I am, that are standard notifications around they disrespect you, you need to disrespect them back. They did this, you need to do this back. And they're standard for me because before I can even figure out how to fix my face, I'm already in it because you disrespected me, I'm going to go. They're standard notifications. And those notifications, you have to turn off. The notification that's always telling you that they're trying to make you feel small, they're disrespecting you, they're coming for you, Those are the notifications you have to turn off. So then I went to God and I said, yeah, I agree. But there is something more with this one. Because I've had this standard notification my whole life. And I always deal with it. And it always comes. And I've been through enough good teaching. And I've been through enough worship for this to not continue to be a standard notification for me. So then he took me deeper. There are some things that are standard notifications, and there are some things that are strongholds. There are some things that are standard notifications, and there are some things that are strongholds. So then he walked me back, and he walked me through my family history, and he walked me through um, this, in my family history, that there's been this series of abandonment whether it was my mom being abandoned by her biological father, whether it was abandonment and rejection. My, hu- my, my husband, my father coming from Nigeria and meeting a lot of rejection and a lot of discrimination, so much so that he changed his name from Wakoro, which was his Nigerian name, to Fitzgerald, which is like the most American name he could find so that he wouldn't have to continue to face rejection. And all of this like was like playing across my mind like a movie screen, like that's what it is. But when you have the history of abandonment and feeling of rejection, it gives birth to an orphan spirit. And an orphan spirit is a demonic demonic spirit that invades a person's mind, causing them a sense of abandonment from their past hurts and experiences. So even though it wasn't my past hurt and my experiences, 
I have this orphan spirit that is attached to my mind that sends these notifications. They're trying to make you feel small. Don't let them do you like that. They're trying to disrespect you. Don't do that. They're trying to make you like, don't do like that because it was from the family line, right? It's now playing out in my life. And I told God, if you tie up this strong man, if you tie up this strong man, then I won't continue to experience that notification. Because there are some notifications that are not just a matter of turning them off. There needs to be an entire recoding and reprocessing because that notification is a stronghold. Amen? Amen. So, um, let's go back to the scripture, and I will get us through this as quickly as possible. But if you go back to the scripture, um, verse 23, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players, well, before I do that, let me go back and grab that point again. So number one, turn off notifications that prompt me to think or act in a way that is disrespectful to God, myself, or other people. So now I'll go back to verse 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl rose. So it's important to note that when he first came in and saw the drama and all the effect that was happening, he didn't immediately put them out. His initial reaction or response was to say, make room. But when they wouldn't make room, when they wouldn't believe, when they wouldn't stop the wailing and the crying long enough for him to do his work, that's when he put them out. So the second point is, I have to turn off notifications that are speaking louder than my faith. I have to turn off notifications that are speaking louder than my faith. Because, again, as you're trying to assess what thoughts and what notifications can be on and what cannot, if it's disrespectful, I turn it off. But also, if I'm able to identify that that is a thought that is trying to speak louder than my faith, that is also a notification that I have to turn off. Only after they demonstrated a lack of faith and a lack of willingness to believe did he put them out. So what does that sound like? It sounds like I'm believing God for healing, but I am Googling things that are telling me all of the statistical ways that you could die from the very thing that I'm believing God for healing for. You have to be very careful about the things you Google, the conversations that you have with people who are all about the drama but not about the faith because those notifications will come and they will attack your faith and they'll try to speak louder than your faith. I would say for this one, though, if you're, I know you're trying to learn in this moment, you have to be really proactive with this one. Because it's the Google search that you did, it's the conversation that you had with that person that then comes back later to serve as a notification. 
So it plants a seed. So while you're doing that, you don't feel like, you're like, oh, I'm just trying to understand more about the diagnosis. Oh, I'm just trying to understand more about X. But what happens is later on, it comes back as a notification that then counters what you're trying to believe. So you have to turn off notifications that are speaking louder than your faith. The instruction is not to silence the notifications, though. There's a difference between silencing the notification and turning off the notification. Because if you silence the notification, it'll still be there later. You just didn't get it in that moment. So, like, think about your phone. When you turn off the y'all in the group chat and you don't want to hear all the pings that are going forth, so you silence it, the notifications are still coming in. It's just after the fact, you can go in your leisure time and read through all of them. And so for some of us, we have this thing called halfway obedience, where we don't turn off the notification, we just silence the notification so that I can go retrieve it later, and I can entertain it later, and I can sleep with it later, but I just am not being pulled away in the moment. So don't confuse silencing the notification with turning off the notification. Amen? Amen. Keep in mind, Jesus put them outside. He didn't say go hang out in that corner over there. I'll be back with you. He put them outside, turning off completely. So for our last point, um, I actually want us to go over to Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. And if you don't know, this account that we're reading about is found throughout all the Gospels. Um, I chose, well, God chose um, Matthew for our initial starting point, but we're going to go to Mark for the last point because there is a little bit more detail and there is instruction there. So let's go to Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Interesting to note here, and the same is true in the last um, iteration that we read, that Jairus is walking with Jesus. So after Jesus says, bet, let's go, I'll go lay hands on your daughter, they're walking together, Right? when the notification of the woman with the issue of blood comes up. So he's walking. He sees Jesus get interrupted, notified by the woman with the issue of blood. And he gets to watch Jesus perform the miraculous in front of him. I can only imagine that what that did for him was further boost his faith that, yeah, he's, he's that guy. He's the miracle worker. He's the way maker. Like, he can do this because I came believing anyway, but now I'm sitting here watching him do this in front of me, and surely the same thing that he just did for this woman, he's going to be like, he's, he got a hot hand today. Like, he's going to go, and he's going to continue to do that for my daughter. So that's, for me, that's how I would be feeling if I was Jay Iris. So they're headed to the destination. Notification comes with the woman, and now skip down to verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. They said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. 
He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the leader, John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kaun, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. We're going to grab our last point further up in the scripture. Jairus is walking. He is believing. He is on fire. He is excited about what is getting ready to happen. He's excited about what he's just seen the Lord do. And then he gets the notification, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Point number three, I have to turn off notifications that are telling me why bother Jesus. I have to turn off notifications because these are these are the standard ones. I can't I can't possibly address every notification that comes to your mind or my mind. But there are notifications that try to tell me to disrespect God and disrespect other people and disrespect myself. There are notifications that come in pretty standard that tell me that are speaking louder than my faith. And then the last standard notification that when you hear this, turn it off. It's not ever going to come from God is why bother Jesus? When you hear things in your mind, and it may not sound exactly like, why bother Jesus? It may sound more like, it is what it is. Or, I've been trying to deal with my habits. I've been trying to deal with the pathways in my mind. I've been trying to do all that. But I think at this point, it is what it is. I am who I am. Those kind of notifications. I was trying to go to church, and I was trying to stay on the right path, but I just I keep going up and down with this, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it to the side. It is what it is. That's those notifications. You need to turn off. Why? Because they are notifications that are trying to stop you from believing. They are notifications that are trying to tell you that there is no hope for this. They're notifications that are trying to tell you that Jesus is not who he says he is, which because he says that he can do all things. He can even, you know, raise the dead. But don't even bother anymore. Those notifications, and you can begin to close us out, those notifications need to be turned off as well. God desires wholeness for us. And I said it a few weeks back that um, I didn't always desire wholeness for myself. Because I figure if I'm going to make heaven with this, you can just leave it. <laughs> like, you could just leave it. It's, it's a lot to try to work through the strongholds that have been set up in my mind. It's a lot to try to, like, get this train on a different track. It's a lot. But God desires wholeness for you. He desires wholeness for me. And wholeness means that it means completeness. Like there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.